Turn your Bible to Philippians chapter 1, please. Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. Paul was in prison, not because he'd done anything wrong, he had done everything right. He was preaching the word of God, and he was arrested and put in prison for preaching the word. And he says, beginning in verse 19, I know that this shall turn to my deliverance through your prayers and supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. King James translation is salvation. That sounds like it's talking about how to be saved. What he's really saying is because of all this that's happened and because of your prayer support, I know I'll be delivered. And he was. He was delivered from the prison and had another mission work before he was beheaded on the Appian Way outside the city of Rome sometime later. But he goes on to say in verse 20, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. His desire is that whether he lives or dies, his life will count for Christ. That he'll cast a shadow of influence on the lives of others, whether it's by life or by death. And in reality, we all need to feel the same way. That needs to be our attitude toward life and toward death. And then he says a remarkable statement in verse 21, for to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Bill Wallace was a young man growing up in Knoxville, Tennessee. While he was in school one day, he had given his heart to Jesus. He heard a voice inside saying, Bill, when you get through high school, I want you to go to college. Bill said, all right, Lord, I'll do it. He never argued with God. He went to college. While he was in college, he heard that same still small voice, Bill, when you finish college, I want you to go to medical school. Medical school, yes. I want you to be my doctor. So when Bill finished college, he went to medical school did all the years that were required for that. And while he was an intern after medical school, he heard that same voice, Bill, when you finish this internship, I want you to go to the seminary. The seminary, yes. All right, Lord, I'll do it. Bill went to the seminary. High school, college, medical school, and now seminary. In his third year in the seminary in Louisville, he heard that same voice, Bill, when you finish seminary, I want you to go to China. I want you to build a hospital. Try to 
help some of the people that are physically sick, but the main reason to go is to be my preaching doctor. Bill said, all right, I'll do it. He finished all of his internship in his medical school, his seminary. He served here in the States for a little while and then went to China. This was before the Chinese communists took over. He went to Wu Chao and built a hospital. He got some Chinese nurses to come. He trained them and then he won them to the Lord. His main ministry for being in Wu Chao was to win people to Jesus. He kept on at it. Then the communist revolution took place. They came down to Wu Chao and arrested Bill Wallace. They took him up and put him in prison. The rest of the story is well known by those who have studied what happened there. He was tortured, and he was killed. Chinese soldiers came down to Wu Chao, said to the nurses, you can come and get the body of Bill Wallace, he's dead. They went up and tenderly took the body of Bill Wallace, brought it back to Wu Chao, and outside the city of Wu Chao, they digged a grave. Bill Wallace was buried there. And over the grave, there was a marker. They had this on the marker. For to me to live is Christ. To die is gain. Bill Wallace gave his entire ministry and life, those few short years, to winning people to Jesus. He could say for me to be in the seminary was for Christ to be there. For me to be in medical school was for Christ to be there. For me to be in college was Christ to be there. For me to be in high school, Christ was there. And for me to go to China was Christ to go to China. For me to be in prison was Christ to be in prison. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's what Paul had in mind when he wrote those remarkable words. Note the significance of this statement, a total change in the life philosophy of the Apostle Paul. He at one time had tried to kill Christians. He was against Christ. Jesus changed his mind, his life, his destiny. Think of the depth of this statement, a total change of the system inside of his heart. Everything in his life, his heartbeat was for Christ. Think of the completeness of this statement, the finality, for to me to live is Christ, to die is gain. It's all right. Note the assurance of this statement. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. And the whole life story of Bill Wallace. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. I want you to think for a moment about the author of this statement, the apostle Paul. His background was something he could be ashamed of the rest of his life. Over and over again, he talked about how he had been 
an enemy of God, an enemy of Christians. He had tried to arrest and kill Christians. As a matter of fact, on the day that Stephen, the first deacon martyr, was being stoned, Saul was there, his name was Saul at that time. They laid their clothes down at his feet and he consented to the death of Stephen. And Stephen said, as he was dying, I see Jesus and he's standing at the right hand of the Father. And Saul never got over those words. Sometime later he was going to Damascus to kill the Christians there. And I think over and over in his mind, I see Jesus, I see Jesus, I see Jesus. He's standing right under the Father. And all of a sudden, a light shone down and a voice, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Who are you? Who are you? I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And in that moment, Saul surrendered his life to the Lord. He said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And God said, you go to Damascus. I have a man there that'll tell you what to do. He went to Damascus, Ananias came and finished the task of leading him to the Lord and baptized him. And Saul, now named Paul, went out to preach the word of God for the next 35 years. His total life was changed. He breathed out threats against the church and a sudden change. That's happened to some of the people in this room. There was a time when you were against Christ. You profane in your words, profane in your lifestyle. You were living as an enemy of Christ. You may not have said, I'm an enemy of Christ, but you were, your lifestyle was that. You were an enemy, not a, not a friend of the Lord. And then Christ came in, he changed your life. I want you to secondly, to notice the authority behind this statement, for to me to live is Christ. How did Paul know? Well, there's an interesting passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Let me read some of it to you. It is not expedient, it is not expedient for me doubtless to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell or whether out of the body I cannot tell. God knoweth such an one was caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell God knoweth how that he was caught up into the paradise and heard unspeakable words, which it is not lawful for man to utter. He had an early experience with heaven. He was there. Not many of us have ever had that experience. Mrs. Claycomb, very dear member of our church, used to talk about a vision she had of heaven. Maybe some of you have had a vision of heaven. If you read Revelation 20 and 21 and 22, you get a little taste of what heaven is gonna be like. Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions. If we're not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you myself, that where I am there you may be also, and whether I go you know in the way you know. And Thomas, so much like many of us said, Lord, we don't know where you're going, and how can we know the way? And it's as if Jesus said, I'm glad you said that. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. You don't go to heaven because you're part of a church. You don't go to heaven because you live a good life. Because none is good, no, not one. 
The only one you go to heaven is through Jesus Christ. And Paul experienced that and God gave him a vision of heaven and he said, I want to tell you, for me to live as Christ and to die would be much better. I'm going to, there's going to be gain when I die. How many of us look forward to dying? <laughs> I know as you get older, you go to the funeral home and you make arrangements for your death and for your funeral and so on. And uh, most of you write a will. If you don't have a will written, you need to write one. No matter what age you are, little, ch little children ought to write a will. Big children ought to write a will. Old children ought to write a will. You ought to have a will written and uh, responsibilities given to who's in charge when you cannot be in charge any longer. Well, Paul knew all about what would happen. And he said, to me, to live is Christ. For me to walk down the street is Christ. For me to go to Philippi is for Christ to go. For me to go to Rome is for Christ to go. Wherever I am, there's Christ. And to die is gain. It's going to be much better when I die. Well, I want you to think for a moment or two about his 35 years of experience. When Paul gave his life to Christ on the road to Damascus, as far as we know, he never turned back. He was like a jet airplane taking off and he went up and 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 up. And if you watch a jet airplane close enough, it goes up high, high, levels off a little while and then comes back down. You don't like to get on a plane that goes like this, jumps up and down, goes to these hair pockets and it goes down a little while. Nobody likes to ride a plane like that. God doesn't want us to be like that either. He wants us to get like a jet airplane and go up and up and up and keep on going. Level off. Live for him through the years he gives us. And then be ready to go on. And really, a saved man doesn't have to go back down. He just goes on back up. Keeps on going up to heaven. To me, to die is gain. Now, for a moment or two, I want to think about the alternative to this statement. The statement is, for me to live as Christ, to die as gain. The author, Paul, the authority, he knew what he was talking about because he'd experienced it. Thirdly, the alternative to this statement. You imagine a person that says, for me to live is money. For me to live is my job. For me to live is my wife or my husband. And then there comes a day when wife or husband says, I don't love you anymore, and your whole life's gone. For me to live as my children, and sometimes your children sass you, disobey you. I visited a lady in the nursing home many, many times here in Bowling Green. She used to brag about her son. I said, uh, does the son come to see you? Well, I haven't seen him for a while. He's very busy. I said, well, when did he, did he come last Christmas? No, he, he couldn't come Christmas. How about the Christmas? Well, no, he hadn't come. I said, well, how long has it been since you saw your son? 20 years. And she, with a tear in her eyes, she said, he's very busy. He don't have time for me. That happens. For me to live as my children? No, no. For me to live as Christ. And then, those of you in this room who have never been saved, to die 
not gain. The Bible says in Luke chapter 16 that rich man died and in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. He said, Father Abraham, would you send Lazarus to me dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue? I'm tormented in these flames. The voice came back from the other world. Son, remember. And that's what will be the terrible thing of hell. You remember. If you're here today and you're not saved and you go to hell, you'll remember this service. You remember we sang, brethren, we have met to worship. You remember that trumpet call a moment ago. You remember the solo. You remember the people jammed together in the church, coming together to serve and worship the Lord. You remember the message. And in hell, you'll cry out, Father Abraham, send Lazarus may dip the tip of his finger in water and the voice will come back from the other world. Son, remember, you had opportunity and you rejected it. You turned it down. I plead with you, don't do that. Don't do that. The alternative for to me to live is Christ. For to me to live is money, family, children, my job. All that will pale into insignificance in the light of eternity. Then I want you to think about the anticipation of this statement. Paul had known all about the problems in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. There are some remarkable statements. Sometimes I preached on this chapter, I name it, watch out for the storms. The storms are coming. Listen to this. But in all things, approving ourselves as ministers of God in much patience, afflictions, necessities, distresses, stripes, imprisonments, tumults, labors, watchings, fastings, pureness, knowledge, long-suffering, kindness, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing. Paul knew a lot of the shipwrecks of life. He knew some of the problems. And anticipation of what was ahead he said, I've been through all that. So have you. Everyone in this room has been through trials and heartaches and hurts and, and stabbings and disappointments and shocks. But he said, I'm anticipating something better. To be, to live as Christ and to die is gain. Soon I will be done with the troubles of this world, going home to be with God. <coughs> that seems to be Paul's theme. The author, the authority, the alternative, the anticipation of this statement, for he to live as Christ, to die as gain. And then last of all, the affirmation of this statement. Paul was sure. He didn't say, well, I think so. Years ago, there was a lady in our church who was sort of neurotic. And uh, she was very, very nervous. Went to the doctor every few days for her nervousness. And uh, somebody asked her one day, 
Do you know what two, by two, two times two is? She said, yeah, it's four, but it makes me nervous. Well, some people are like that. They're sort of paranoid. They don't know what to do. They don't have any assurance. Paul said, I, I'm a positive of what I'm talking about. For to me to live is Christ. For me to go to church is for Christ to go to church. That's the reason, boys and girls, we ask you to behave when you go to church and listen carefully. That's the reason we ask you to wear proper attire when you go to God's house. You don't believe you'd want to go to heaven exposing your body, wearing shorts and all that kind of stuff. You won't go to heaven presenting yourself. And when we go to church, we present ourselves to the Lord. That's when we, it matters what we wear. I was telling our kids out at Bible school this week, and some have never heard that. We don't have a lot of services out there. We just have service on Sunday afternoon and don't have an opportunity to, to teach a whole lot. But during Bible school, we have a whole week of it. And some of those teenagers were shocked to hear that it made a difference what you wear. They didn't know that. Well, in preparation for heaven, it makes a difference what we live like, what we speak like, what we say, what we do, how we live. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. God's plan is for us to be new in Christ. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. In Romans chapter 5, when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure of good men some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life. And God wants to give eternal life to somebody today. It's a free gift. He holds it out to you. He offers it to you. But you have to accept it. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice, I'll open the door and sup with him and he with me and come into him. Sometimes we're so busy doing all kinds of things that we don't hear what God says. We don't even hear the knock at our door. Even as a believer, we have to be quiet before the Lord to hear what God's direction is. And if you've never been saved, I ask you to listen carefully right now. Jesus is knocking at your door. He wants to come in. Will you let him in? Let's bow together in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for these words of Paul, for me to live as Christ and to die as a gain. We pray that someone here today will hear the voice of Jesus speaking to his heart. We'll say, here am I, Lord, use me. I surrender to thee. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand, please. We're going to sing hymn number 197. Rather, 153. 153.
Page 153, come every soul by sin oppressed, there's mercy with the Lord. He will surely give you rest by trusting in his word. 153, only trust him. Let me encourage you to come to Jesus today, just as you are. The Lord will help you. If you'll come, he'll instruct you. If you're not sure how to be saved, you come. We'd like to help you know from the Bible. Whatever God has spoken to your heart about, do it. It may mean you just need to come and kneel and pray at the altar. Somebody here that needs to move your membership to this church, you need to do that. While we begin to sing, come every soul by sin oppressed, will you come to the Lord? <laughs>